This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, please. Acts chapter 10. One of the difficulties with preaching biblical narrative is sometimes the stories are quite lengthy. It was not the intention of the biblical writer to break them up, but as ministers of the gospel, we preach under time restraints, especially in this country. If you're in places like India, the service can go three hours, and if you finish early, they wonder what your problem is. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach three hours this morning, okay? Sometimes the biblical text lends itself, it takes longer to consider all the important information uh, in the story and what God has for his people. And so, uh, considering the time, I want to go back and we're going to uh, just review what we have learned about... What happened with Cornelius, a Roman centurion and his family that brought him to faith in Jesus Christ? We've entitled this message, uh, Critical Steps to Conversion. Uh, We're looking from the book of Acts, gospel power, and the global impact that it has had uh, in the book of Acts. We are to the point now where there's been many who have come to Christ in Jerusalem. Uh, Samaria has been reached with the gospel. Revival really took place there. It's exciting again. We're going to get to meet these saints in heaven. But these Samaritans uh, come to the Lord under the preaching of Philip. But really the seeds had been sown going back to the ministry of the Lord Jesus and the woman at the well. How many of you remember that story from John 4? Seeds were sown, she gets saved, others in uh, Samaria get saved, and, and so God just continues now to build his church there. But then the gospel spreads, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. And when we think about the uttermost part where God said to take the gospel, the uttermost part reminds us of the Gentiles. In fact, I would guess that in this large group this morning, most of us fit into that final area, the Gentiles. Aren't you glad that the gospel allowed the gospel to come to us? God is so good. But what are the critical steps to conversion that result in folks being saved? And by the way, it always works this way. And this story of Cornelius helps us to see the specifics. And, then, and so let's go to verse 19 of Acts 10, and let's just watch this. I'm going to read without comment until we get to our text for this morning. While Peter thought, he's in Joppa, on the vision that he had seen, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and go thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. Don't be double-minded about these Gentiles who have come uh, because I have spoken to this Roman centurion 
Cornelius, and I've told him to send messengers to you. I have sent them, verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Verse 23, then Peter, who had been prepared by the vision, without this vision, he may have been hesitant or may have just disobeyed the Lord altogether about receiving these messengers in. Then called he them in and lodged them. So hospitality is shown. The first step that we saw in this narrative is that because God worked in Peter's heart, a devout Jew, Peter is willing to grant access to these Gentiles. So the first step is access granted. This is a real issue for God's people. We get saved, God works the work of sanctification in us, but it's easy to forget we were like those unsaved folks we rub shoulders with every day. Just as lost, just as spiritually blind, can I say this kindly, doing the same dumb, sinful things that they're doing. And so we have got to remember the pit... <laughs> that we were rescued out of, and then go allow them to have access through us to the Lord. Now, he's the mediator, but by that I mean we need to let them know Jesus loves you, he died for you, he wants to save you. You'll never reach somebody if you've got a holier-than-thou attitude. And by the way, that is, that is so insincere for those who understand the word of God because the only holiness we have different than theirs is that we've been clothed with Jesus righteousness we don't have any of our own and so access is granted let's pick it up verse 23 and on the morrow Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him and the morrow after they entered into Caesarea so two days later 30 miles on foot, they arrive at Caesarea. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with them, so again, Peter begins to instruct this man why only God should be worshipped. He is the only Savior. He says to Cornelius I, Cornelius, I also am a man. Verse 27, And he, Peter, went in with Cornelius and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. 
But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. All right. So let's just pause for a moment. When Peter says uh, to them that it is unlawful, whose law? It wasn't God's. Whose law? It was the rabbinical law. Now, can I just share this with you when it comes to trying to reach your Jewish friends for the Lord? We already have a problem because although they may know what the Old Testament says, and you can lead them to the Lord out of the Old Testament, all those prophecies that point to Jesus of Nazareth being their Messiah. But there's another problem, and that problem is the rabbinical teachings, and they have elevated the rabbinical teachings to whatever the Old Testament says. And they're going to side with those rabbinical teachings, even if those teachings go against what God says in the Old Testament. There are other religions where you can share with them the gospel, and they're going to react to it because in their church, the tradition is higher than the revelation of God. And so they're going to side with whatever, however they were raised, whatever traditions they were taught that oppose the Scripture. So just be aware. That's what Peter was having to deal with here, those teachings. Verse 29, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. Okay, so God had worked. God had helped correct Peter's thinking. Now look at how the gospel is presented. And that's the second step. We need to have access to them. They need to have access to us. Why? For a gospel presentation. Why did Jesus heal the, the lame, cause the blind to see, raise the... Why did he do all that? He was seeking a, an audience access so that they would listen to the gospel. That's why. And so the second step is very important. The gospel is presented. How are they going to hear without a preacher? How can they be saved without understanding and believing the gospel? All right, and so, verse 29, I ask there, for what intent ye have sent me? Why did you call for me? Now, let's, again, let's remember, Peter already knows why. But I believe that he is asking this question because he's trying to ascertain what God has already done in their hearts. What do they understand? It'd be similar to uh, sometimes we'll have a service here uh, where uh, there's been a gospel presentation and, uh, and somebody will come forward and we always ask the personal workers, we do this in Bible school with kids, so why did you come? Well, we really know they're seeking the Lord, but what we want to know is, what do you understand in your heart? Uh, what, what is it that, that you're seeking? Okay, what has God done in your heart? Verse 30, and Cornelius said, and he repeats what has happened. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, 
whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Now, I've underlined that. Why? Again, the gospel has to be proclaimed. There is this false teaching out there that if somebody just desires to know God, he'll save them. No, if someone desires to know God, he'll reveal himself. He'll send a messenger to share the gospel. But the point is, they need to hear from the Lord. It's not just, well, I, I, I had this experience and I, I, I wanted to know God and, and I asked him to help me and, and I'm saved. Not without the gospel, you're not. Verse 33, immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God. What is that? Access granted. We're here, you're here. To hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Now, we can't just go over these, these words. Commanded Peter, go and tell. And now they've been commanded to sit and hear the gospel. So God has commanded us to go, gain access, get an audience with the lost, and speak the gospel. God has commanded the lost to hear the gospel, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. This is God's plan. There is no other. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said. All right, so put yourself in this Roman home in Caesarea. Peter stands up. When Peter opened his mouth and said, this wording is an expression in Scripture that indicates a formal, serious address is about to be given. We see this with the other apostles. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. He would stand up and he opened his mouth. A formal presentation of truth. Now what are the main points of Peter's address? His sermon, if we call it, can call it that. Notice verse 34, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Is that part of the gospel? Well, in the sense that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In this context, Peter is telling them that his eyes have just been opened. I perceive God is no respecter of persons. That's why I'm standing in this Roman home and I'm about to give you a gospel presentation. He's saying nationality and race are not barriers to coming to God. Praise the Lord. Someday when we stand before the throne in heaven, before our Lord, the Bible tells us there will be people there from every nation, tongue, Everyone will be represented there. So I perceive God is no respecter of persons. Maybe you're listening today and you say, yes, I know God is able to save, but uh, he didn't want to save me. I'm not this or this or that. No, stop. He is no respecter of persons. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell. 
And he took our punishment on himself because he wants to save every one of us who will come to him in faith. He so loved the world and he loves you. Notice verse 35. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now this is not work salvation. That's what so many denominations are teaching today. Work hard. Uh, believe in God and see in heaven. No. No. What is this talking about? By the way, if this was work salvation, it would be a contradiction to all that Jesus preached in, in the four Gospels during his earthly ministry and what Peter has already repeatedly preached in the book of Acts. This is not some kind of a shift. Nobody should ever use this text to say, aha, see, if I just work hard, God will see my good works, they'll outweigh my bad works, I get to go to heaven. That is not what this text is teaching. Fear means to give rightful honor and reverence that results in obedience. Who is God, but what has God said? I irreverence God when he says, this is the way to me, this is how you're saved, and I say, well, I've got my own way. No, reverence then leads to obedience. Cornelius and, his, and those in his household were reverencing the Lord. Now he needed to know how to obey. That is why Peter is there. Now, let me just give you a little hint. All right, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the story. Forgive me. But drop down to verse 43. How do we know that what I've just said is consistent with what is happening with Peter being in Cornelius' hope? To him gave all the prophets witness, the prophets witness to Jesus, that through his name, whosoever, and what's the next word? Believeth? Yeah. In him shall receive remission, forgiveness of sins. See, it's right here in the text. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and we put our faith in what the Lord has said, the gospel, and that's how we're saved. Now Peter will go on to review God's master plan of salvation through Jesus. He wants Cornelius and his household, his friends, family, to see all that God has done for them, Gentiles. Again, this is the gospel presented Peter will start with what just happened in Israel with the ministries of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus. Then he'll go back to the predictions made about Jesus in the Old Testament. Peter is not in a hurry here. He's going to make sure that they understand who Jesus is and how they need to respond in faith to Jesus. Watch closely verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by or through Jesus, Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, including the Gentiles. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. There's the forerunner. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, which the Holy Ghost uh, and um, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. For him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. In other words, made him visible to many. We know that uh, over 500 saw the risen Lord. Did everybody see him? No. Peter addresses that. Verse 41, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who might eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God, appointed by God, to, ju to be judge of the quick, the living, and the dead. To give or to him give all the prophets witness. See, now he goes back to the Old Testament. That through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. What a gospel presentation. Now let's review. Access has been granted into Cornelius' home. The gospel has been presented. This is the way that it works, folks. There are no shortcuts. Now, the only exception would be if somebody on their own is reading the word of God for themselves and they read the gospel and believe. Folks can be saved that way. Maybe some of you have that testimony here. But the reality is somebody had to print that Bible. Somebody had to give that Bible. Right. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but they were granted access to the truth, they believe the truth, and that's how salvation happens. Now what happens next is intended to help us understand that salvation comes from believing. Uh, we had a hint of this when we saw Philip witnessing to the Ethiopian, and remember there, there's, the Ethiopian doesn't pray a prayer, uh, when, he want, when the Ethiopian wants to be uh, baptized, Philip says, you can if you believe. And he says, I believe with all my heart. All right. So, so it's the believing, agreeing with God about our sinful state, believing that Jesus is the only way to heaven, putting our trust in that truth. Sometimes it's an affirmation of the heart. Lord, I'm depending on you alone for salvation. And when believing happens, salvation is immediate. Now watch what the text does. This is so amazing to me. Next we see conversion and indwelling. And they happen simultaneously. They happen at the very same time. Verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Again, if we go back to Acts 2, they that gladly receive the word, they're saved. These folks gladly receive the word. They didn't just hear it, they believe it. And so Cornelius' household immediately believed. They put their trust upon the gospel that Peter had preached. Immediately they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't even get to finish his sermon. Now, I hope someday to be able to preach a gospel message 
and for folks to just start responding. I wouldn't mind not finishing that sermon. That's what's happening here. That's the point. Peter didn't even get to finish. Instead, the Spirit's indwelling of these believers is the same evidence of what happened at Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 4. Only there it happened with just Jews. Here now it's happening with Gentiles. Look at verse 45. And they of the circumcision, these are Peter's Jewish companions, these fellow Christians, which believed, okay, they were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) They're looking around. What is happening? Oh, we recognize what is happening here. Now, how did they know the Gentiles had been saved and received the Holy Ghost? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Some Bible scholars refer to this event as the Pentecost of the Gentiles. Amazing. Now, we do need to give some clarification because of the charismatic confusion that is in the church today. The word tongues, first of all, is the Greek word glossa and refers to known spoken languages. So when they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak, it wasn't ecstatic gibberish. It wasn't some prayer language. That You don't see that in the Bible. This was a spoken language. The thing is, these Gentiles, these Romans, I'll, I'll go back earlier, these Italians, all right, who knew Greek, knew Latin, they began to speak in a language they had not known because the Holy Spirit empowered them to use it to show that it's the very same thing that happened at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. But this is just like every other instance of tongue speaking in the New Testament. We're not told, though, what language these newly converted Romans were speaking. Perhaps it was Hebrew. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, the Jewish listeners knew that the Gentiles were magnifying God. How did they know that? Well, again, at Pentecost, those who were listening to those speaking in tongues, everyone heard in their own language. It's possible. Now these Greek, Latin-speaking Romans were speaking Hebrew. We don't know. We don't know for sure because that isn't really the point of the story. These Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost just as the Jews, just as the Samaritans, by the way, Acts chapter 8, 17, the Samaritans received their Holy Ghost. Now all are united in the body of Christ. That's the point. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul tells those Gentiles For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. By the way, there were no doubt servants in Cornelius' home who got saved too. 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That's amazing. By the way, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? At the moment I believe on Christ, the Holy Spirit takes me and supernaturally plunges me into the body of Christ. I become one with Christ. It's amazing. By the way, when I get saved, I receive all the Holy Spirit. I don't receive part of him, and, and after an experience later, I get more of him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I get more of the Spirit. It means the Spirit gets more of me. I become controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what the word filled means. All right, so we need to be very careful understanding what is happening here in the text. Now, for those preachers who are listening to me today, and there are several of us here. And this would also apply to all of us who give the gospel to those who are lost. Remember what Jesus told the disciples. He said, when I get back to heaven, when you go to declare me to others, open your mouth and I will fill it. That's a, a reference to a Christian being yielded to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit bringing to mind the truth that we need to share with others. How does it apply here? Well, listen to G. Campbell Morgan's comments uh, as, as he, in his commentary on Acts, as he meditated on this passage. He said this, We labor so hard to make the gospel plain. We so constantly imagine that it is necessary for us, to not, uh, for us not to preach Christ only, but to defend Christ, to vindicate Christ, to explain Christ. Now let me just stop. That is so true. In this day of confusion, another gospel is being preached all over the place. Christ plus baptism, Christ plus church membership, or, or uh, Christ plus some experience. All that not So preachers of the gospel try to be very careful uh, that we explain this properly, but what Morgan is saying is this. We leave so little room in our preaching and teaching for this cooperative ministry of the Holy Spirit, end quote. It is the preaching of the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. We need to preach the gospel and let the Holy Spirit drive it home. He doesn't need my help. He brings truth. He brings illumination. And I think that's so important for us. Men, when we preach the gospel, when we stand before folks, when we, uh, I was on my knees this morning, and I, I just share this not as a reflection on me, but what I ought to do in my study saying, Lord, would you work in hearts through your word? You've got to do the work. I can't. And that has to be our mindset. The gospel is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now Peter understands the Savior's words recorded in Matthew 28, 19. That disciples are to make disciples and then baptize them. Now, we make disciples by again. Gaining access, giving the gospel. The Lord alone does the saving work. But then we teach them what, whatsoever the Lord has commanded after they get saved and we baptize them. 
This is on Peter's mind. End of verse 46. Then answered Peter, 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Peter's saying, they're no different than me. I've got the Holy Spirit. They've got the Holy Spirit. We need to baptize them. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Again, there are details here that I, I want to fill in these details from these folks when I get to heaven. So Cornelius, where were you baptized? We don't know, and the Holy Spirit chooses not to include that in the text. But they're baptized. Then prayed they him. They asked him with some urgency, Peter, to tarry certain days. Certain means there was an allotted time. Peter, this has been wonderful. Thank you for coming to the house. Could you stay this many days? And so they're talking about this. They, Listen, we, we don't want you to, to take off. There's more that we need to know. We, we have some questions. We, we need more explanation. This is exciting what the Lord has done in saving us. But can you stay and help? They wanted to know more about their new relationship with Christ, what he expected of them. So Peter and the others stayed in this Gentile home for discipleship and, by the way, for fellowship. Say fellowship. Oh, yeah. Again, uh, we have the blessing of, of seeing the bigger picture here. Go to chapter 11. Look down at verse 3. Some of the Jews who are still in their prejudice, still bound by old thinking, call for Peter and these other Jews, come up here to Jerusalem, you need to explain yourself. What happened down there in Caesarea? So in the explanation, or in what they have heard, they say to Peter and the others, thou wentest into men uncircumcised, and did what with them? You ate with them. <gasps> Sounds like some others needed to have that dream that Peter saw. You ate with them? By the way, if you're in a Roman home and they're serving up, it's probably not kosher. Peter probably had a good Gentile meal. But now he's got to explain himself up in Jerusalem. Okay, so they took time to fellowship. I, I love what Paul said. You remember what Paul said, I become all things to all men so that by all means, legitimate means, according to Scripture, I might be able to see some saved. So when I'm with the Gentiles, I'll eat with the Gentiles. Wherever I'm at, because I want to be able to gain access, to be able to give them the gospel. So there was fellowship here. What a wonderful time Cornelius and Peter and these others must have had. Wow. Now let's finish this up. And so the narrative comes full circle. And the Holy Spirit's powerful work in Cornelius' home has brought the gospel from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the door that has been opened to the uttermost part of the world, the Gentiles. 
What a mighty work God is doing here. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about God is fulfilling his plan for each of us? This is his overall plan for the church, but within the plan is a specific plan because God loved Cornelius and his family. Just like he loves your neighbors and their family and your co-workers and their family. And so we conclude. The salvation of Cornelius and those in his home is a story of access granted after God changed the thinking of an apostle the gospel ministry, or the gospel simply presented, and then the immediate conversion and spirit indwelling of a group of Gentiles. And where did this happen? <clears throat> it shouldn't be lost on us as Americans living in this day that Peter is standing in the home of an enemy invader. Now just think with me on this and we're done. Who's Cornelius? He represent, he's the command, a commander in an invading army. These are aliens. These are illegals. These people are different than us. Is it just possible that the Lord allowed the Romans to take over Palestine? We know that to be for sure. Daniel's prophecy, there needed to be an empire that ruled with a fist of iron so that there would be Pax Romana. The world would know a measure of peace, and it's in that setting. And by the way, these people really knew how to build roads. Under that peace, all these roads, the gospel could be spread. But is it just possible that God brought those Romans to Palestine because the Lord wanted to save some of them Romans? You just got to witness it today. With all the changes that were happening are happening in our country, and I think some of them are pretty negative. As I paid almost three sixty for gas in South Carolina. It's a bad dream. I don't like that part. But do you know what God is doing right now in this age? In this country, he is doing so that you and I can gain access to a bunch of people that are not like us who need the gospel and can be saved. So these are the critical steps to conversion. You've been saved. Are you going to let God use you to help others now come to faith in Christ? Father, thank you for the testimony of Cornelius. Thank you for what you did in Peter's life, helping to correct his thinking. And Lord, you're so gracious to correct our thinking so that we will go and access the lives of those that so desperately need the truth. Lord, many times what repulses us as we look at them, it's just the ravages of sin and proof that they need Jesus as Savior. 
Help us not to hold back. And Lord, thank you that we get to be the home of a mission that you have called specifically to reach military members with the gospel. Lord, it, it should not be lost on us again that when the door is open to the Gentiles, Lord, it was military ministry. Wow. We needed this today. We need this perspective. But Lord, we need a willing heart. Lord, we need to fear you, reverence you, and then be willing to obey. And so Lord, today would you help us to recommit ourselves to be gospel proclaimers who are willing to go anywhere, access any life by your grace to share the good news with them. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.